Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I've decided to do a new podcast. This one will be called Brown People, a podcast where I speak to politicians, pundits, mothers and thinkers about discovering the stories of people of colour. I'll be your host as we dive into the lives of thoughtful individuals who have maybe caught a controversy but have definitely lived a life worth talking about. We'll be talking about the struggles, the triumphs and everything in between as we hear the experiences of people from all over the globe. We'll be getting to the root of what drives them, how they see the world and how the world sees them and how they've overcome the obstacles that life has thrown in their way. This is a podcast that will be an exploration and a conversation. So join us as we shine a light on the stories, struggles, and we look at the lives of people of colour. Please subscribe to it today, whether you're a brown person or not. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Um, I thought I'd record the theme tune on the flutes. This is uh, Jenny from Alexandria. week's Dum De Dum is from our Jenny Brander and the podcast is sponsored by Miss C.A. Cox. This is Dum De Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Middle East. I'm the furious farmer who is known as Royfield Brown and I'm here today with the Eurovision fan who is Jacqueline Berto in Brittany, France. Now on this episode we have a very select group of colorinurers. We have from Witherspoon who is analysing several characters, Ditsy of Darlington who takes Witherspoon to task, oh, scary stuff, God Squad Mia, she's back, hooray, who found Debbie Sublime and Archer's Fan 2015, who questions what the heck is going on. Plus, good people, we have Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin, a.k.a. Theo. And we'll have a social media roundup from our Katie, her of the Instagram fame. Don't forget, if you search for Dumpty Dum on YouTube, you'll find lots of Dumpty Dum on YouTube. Loads of hours of interviews with the actors, which we did really during COVID, but some actually quite a time afterwards. You'll find them all there for the love of all things holy. Please just go and subscribe, even if you don't actually want to sit through these wonderful interviews and actually put faces to the actors who play the characters in The Archers. Go and subscribe to it, because magical, wonderful things happen the more subscribers we actually have. And of course, we shall be wishing a very warm welcome to our four new lovely members to our Facebook group. 
So, shall we talk about Birmingham again? Because we're so excited about Birmingham. I tell you what, it seems to me that you've got a whole load of wind in your sails regarding, was it embroidery or knitting that you're doing? What, what's the thing you're going to be doing down there? Textile art. Anything that anybody wants to do, and we're going to start a big push on the social medias this week, to promote what people are doing and a little piece of embroidery, a bit of textile art, a bit of painting on textile that can be added to a big piece during the weekend with all the signatures of people that are there. Practice your very simple, just people. I don't want big curly stuff because we're going to be stitching them at the weekend and I want to enjoy the cosy club on Saturday night. I don't want to be sitting in my room embroidering for for the whole evening i'm going to try and post some pictures of stuff that people are doing already including members of my own family have decided to add to it royfield so isn't that commitment from the berto harvey family absolutely so so have a can people book for the whole weekend just for saturday what's going on i got yeah all right 90 pounds gets you the whole weekend so there will be actually some stuff on friday but that's come much more like loose but a whole day's worth of conference shenanigans happen on the saturday at symphony hall and then there's a live listen and we end the whole weekend with a live recording of dum dum where we will be in panel with sonny Ormond who plays lillian bellamy that's on the sunday after the live listen so that's going to be pr- pretty awesome now 90 pounds gets you entry into all of those events at the symphony hall very prestigious venue in Birmingham don't you know and also get to dinner on Saturday night at the Cozy Club which is also at Brindley Place if you can only make it for the Saturday so there will be some dum dum action there I think we're interviewing a Foley artist and we're going to be in some other dum dum bits and pieces as well as all of the academic archers panels because it really will start at 10 it open at 9 but do you know who Mm -hmm. the first speaker is you yeah listen if the whole weekend is a disaster fundamentally it's down to you because you are the keynote speaker you will set the tone no pressure no keynotes no keynotes i don't even know about you set the tone so you've got to come out there as bold as brash and say hello everybody i am from Brittany in france my name is jacqueline you've got to you've got to give it full beans especially as i'm doing a comparison from village life in britain to village life in ambridge as far as Spending your free time doing what? So, there you go. So, don't be late. You, don't be late. If you can only make it to the Saturday, then tickets are priced at how much? For, just for Saturday? Uh, 60, I think. 60 euros. Yeah. It's six, 60, oh, 60 pounds. We're not 60 pounds. Are we a <laughs> Listen, that was just to include you. Oh. I knew it was 60 pounds. Oh, and then oh. it's 30 pounds for dinner. Because I know one or two people are basically saying, oh, maybe I'll just come to dinner. So here are the three options. 90 pounds gets you the whole weekend. Good deal. Okay? Good deal. It's fundamentally Saturday, Sunday and dinner. You can just come to dinner and that is £30 per head. And then it's £60 if you want to come just for the Saturday. Now, um, tickets had sold out for the Saturday, but we've added a new allocation. There are more Saturday tickets, and there are, of course, more weekend tickets. We want to see you all there. Go on to www.dumdydum.com. Or you can go on to the Dum Dum Facebook group or the Academic Archers Facebook group. It's going to be a right royal hoot. We all want to see you there. Yeah, because in fact, speakers are one by one and the events are being promoted daily on our Facebook group. So if you're not part of that, you need to get in there and see. Look at my daily posts and you'll learn a little more about the event and the speakers. And the link to the booking platform is on Dumpty's on website and on our Facebook page. So book up your places for that chitter sweet while the the places are still available. Now, we need your help. This is the People's Podcast, where you, the people, contribute to the communal thing, which is the whole world of dum dum So we need you to give us a bank of tunes so we can play them in the future. Fancy singing with friends or family, maybe banging a drum, or maybe you've got like, a, I don't know, a penny whistle, which is falling down the back of the sofa, which you can find and belong to. Why don't you do that and give us a full orchestral rendition of Barwick Green? Please send it to us. It will be most welcome. You send it to us by going on to SpeakPipe. So what you do, you line yourself up, 
you bang out a tune, record it on SpeakPipe, hit send, bish, bosh, bang, we get it here. And we'll play it on a future show. Oh, that's all absolutely fabulous. I hope you've all taken it all in. You can always re-listen if you haven't. But first, before we start this big show, let's look at the week in Umbridge from our Sui Queen Hotart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sui Queen Hotart on the Twitters here. And another week in Ambridge. It's been a real week for duplicity. People acting out of character, just a bit boggling, frankly, I thought. Tim Stimpson was the scriptwriter this time. I was glad to hear Debbie again, who we didn't hear at the funeral. She popped up to Scotland, apparently, to see her dad, and now came back to the fold for at least a couple of days. Adam showed her the edible garden and admitted that he told Stella to buy the new drill. I am so looking forward to Brian finding out she's done that. Jim, for inexplicable reasons, has acquired a green top hat for campaigning against the EV station. He berated David in the village shop for not actively opposing it, as we suspected Justin did have ulterior motives working in the shop, and he made a significant phone call to ensure Damara's name isn't dragged through the inevitable mud when they find out he is behind the whole thing. The anti-EV sentiment escalated on Monday, when Jim led a demonstration outside the Brookfield farm gates, waving placards saying, Stop the Brookfield car park! Leading to David revving his tractor engine and then depositing bales of hay to stop negative photos of Brookfield going into the Echo. Ben abandoned his B&B duties twice this week in favour of a chat at the Laurels with Soixy. Meanwhile, in the dairy... Clary Love and Susan gave an excellent demonstration of exactly why they needed to have some training on their actual jobs before the descent of the general public, who seem to have not bothered showing up to look through the rectacular window, to be honest. They both practised the spiel with varying degrees of success, and George, Kel surprise, manipulated everyone to try and get his 18th birthday party in his own way. I foresee trouble. To be honest, it's not difficult to see trouble around what George does. There's trouble at Mill with sheep worrying going on and Harrison was called in. He is going to run a community project for Eurovision, which Paul, the new gay in the village, is stereotypically drawn to. Justin turned up to a meeting believing they were planning for the coronation celebrations instead. And much hilarity ensued. Not really. All seemed very clunky to me. (laughs) Then we descended into farce as Debbie approached Joy, who was wearing Jenny Darling's scarf. There was a bosom and a brooch and Debbie let to a reasonable conclusion that Brian was up to his old tricks. This escalated as the week went on. Harsh words were said, and despite a last-minute attempt to restore family harmony, with Brian telling Debbie to come back and run the farm, they burned their flimsy bridges, and she's going back to Hungary for good. Jimmers moved into Brookfield's B&B room after booking under a pseudonym, and then hung a banner out of the window, which only the dog walkers could see. And then he posted videos of himself in social media land. Not entirely successfully. He refused to leave everything when Ruth tried to lure him out with a flapjack and a cup of tea. Then Chelsea came and talked him down and said he needed to use different tactics. Now he vacated, promising a favourable online review, and left Brookfield to cut down the bedsheet banner. I wonder if the sheet came from Underwoods. Did he remember to pick up his top hat after he originally left his laser razor behind? I'm sure it's just a matter of time until he glues himself to a feed trough and paints the cows neon pink. Till next week then, my lovelies. I hope it's a good one. Oh. <laughs> so, what do you reckon? What do you reckon to the last week in Ambridge? <laughs> There's been a lot going on. It's a busy week. Which I've quite enjoyed, I suppose. If we're being down on the arches at the moment, I'm not the person to talk to. What about you? If I'm down on the arches at the moment, and I am. This is going to be a very tricky podcast to record. Can oh, no. you said, let's well, don't talk, talk about it. You're down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Let's not talk about it then. <laughs> but what are we going to talk about then? Because, okay. So tell me this, about, this was... tell me what you think about Jim, for one. Okay. Honestly, these storylines are somewhat circular. I remember Root B in the 90s yeah. and I can't yeah. I presume yeah. it would have been Linda Snell who would have been anti-Ruby yeah. always, all of this always Linda yeah all of this smacks of Ruby okay yeah. and then to have the local busybody activist etc now I cannot remember the various different 
sub storylines that went on because of route B. Okay. But this feels very route B. Yeah. And so I just got, I'm slightly got, and actually I thought Tim Bentink, David Archer, wonderful actor. And actually he's on Ted Lasso this week as the chairman of Chelsea. Yeah. People talk, people have talked about on social media. I don't know what Ted Lasso is heartwarming comedy show based around the exploits of an American coach to an English Premier League team. One Ted Lasso, he knows nothing about football. He's full of Like David, they asked David ever. David's never talked about football ever. So what's he doing? (laughs) But here's the thing though, here's the thing. I actually thought his angry portrayal of how he reacted to everything that Jim did felt slightly out of place. Don't get me wrong, he should have been angry. But just... He tonally just felt a little, turned up a little bit too much. Putting that to one side, I think what Jim did was so pantomime and soap opera. He was like, come on, you wouldn't have done that. So I was just like, oh, it's just like there is a real issue around how we transition from carbon-based economy to a more renewable one. Okay, and then how that affects us all, let alone villages. There's a great storyline in that. Great storyline in that. I think that this week was kind of nonsense in terms of what Jim did. To well, to agree with you, thing. I beg to differ completely. Because you know what, I... Madame, <laughs> the floor is yours. Yeah, I know you French to protest and oh, that. We, we do, but in fact, not here. In cities they do, but not in Sanguine. Thank you very much. It's all very calm. Go on. You go I'm for here. it. I'm here to, to be but educated as to what I missed. Last I have week. to say that Jim and his flouncing and all the rest of it did seem out of character. But I think he's got a point because it's not about the EV station. It's about the where the EV station is. And I have a question about that because... Ambridge is miles from the motorway, miles from a big dual carriageway. We don't have that on any of the maps. And believe me, I've looked at Ambridge maps this week a lot for my embroidery project. And there's no way in which anybody would accept having electric an electric car charging station in Ambridge. So I think Jim's got a point if we say, why is it here? He hasn't got a point as far as it's David's fault because he... I'm having a little interruption here. I, but he hasn't got a point as far as it being David's fault because you sell a property, you sell something. David should be up in arms with the people because he thought he was selling it for pastoral land for a horse. And it's not at all for a horse, it's for something commercial. So he should be ch- chasing that up. I didn't like David's anger. I agree. I think David's anger was completely, not completely out of character because he's got form on it. But I haven't liked the Jim storyline, but I loved the ending with lovely Chelsea talking him around. So for me, it was a well-rounded week. So even that was too neat for me. Certainly structurally, one thing which I didn't think was odd last week. Odd from how this would play out in real life, then odd in terms of the plotting of the archers. Now, I have said that I'm a bit tired of the Aldridge's grief over the passing of Jennifer. In real life, people would still be reeling. So eight weeks later, they would. Okay? But but this is a drama, and we only have 12 minutes a day. Okay? Six days a week. Okay? 13, darling, 13. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What I thought was interesting this week was that... Brian's affairs came out and at one point yeah. it did retort what about your mum yeah okay exactly. but, yeah now Debbie is Jennifer's okay second child yeah. very obviously Tamsin the actor couldn't get time off to run to the mailbox in Birmingham to record her stuff whilst the funeral was supposed to take place indeed yeah this felt so odd that she barely got a mention during the funeral. Number one, in real life, when you are organising a funeral and a key family member can't make it because they're coming from overseas, you take that into account, you move the funeral. Yeah, That's what happens in real life. 
it's not a wedding where you say it's this date or no date. You yeah. just get yourself there. Funerals are movable things, cremations, whatever. So in real life, Debbie not being able to come over. Now, I know she was supposed to have been there, but the actor who has made the role of Debbie's her own. Tamsin, yeah. She's so integral. You would just move the funeral. Full stop. And then, very obviously, she said, guys, to the BBC Archers management, I can't do whatever week they were recording the funeral, but I can do it two weeks afterwards. And they have created a whole set of reos and storylines for her. Now, don't get me wrong. She deserves it. She's Debbie Aldridge. And she was fantastic. And she was fantastic. But it felt odd. We have basically gone on a massive journey with the Aldridge family with their grief, the different stages of grief. And there was culminated in the funeral, which didn't even have Peggy say one word. But okay, we know that the actor has has retired. But... Not even a mum's there, Tony saying, maybe to Lillian, they're remarking that she's she's burying one of her children. She never thought she'd live to see the day. Not even that. And then we have this, literally a giant of the show in terms of her acting chops and the fact that in the 90s, she made the role of Debbie Aldridge her own. She wasn't there. And then two weeks later, we have a whole, we have five episodes, which is a central part. It felt lopsided. Yeah, well, that's your opinion, Roy Fields, and I beg to differ. So there we go. You've you've expressed it. Let's get on and listen to what our callers say. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. Over here from these the United States, you have the cranky Yankee. Hey, Dumpty Dumpters around the world. This is. The Cranky Yankee, a.k.a. Doris Roos Barton, coming to you from sunny Westchester County. I think that this week's episodes were typical Archer, but I did enjoy them, especially the whole coronation Eurovision scene with three characters who have a lot to offer the writers. Justin for his big business, I'm the ruler of the world and work. Paul for his, I'm smart and I'm queer and I don't give a hoot who knows it. And Harrison, who's done things that make him not afraid that he's a man in many ways from his post-pre-life as a dancer to his taking on the role of Jesus and his re-annunciate, he found Jesus after all. All right, I'm rambling enough (laughs) for an old lady, so I'll say goodbye and hope you all have a wonderful time next month in the actual gathering. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, good to hear from you, Cranky Yankee. We've got lots of questions about that call. Do we really say queer now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think queer, though, as an expression, has really changed because many people who will call themselves queer, say LGBTQ plus, I plus, it's I plus, it's right? Um but I know two people who say they're queer. And again, people who really identify as being queer, please write in. Yeah, this is my know. understanding. This is my understanding. It's not necessarily, as we'd call it, gay anymore. It's somebody who, and I've been, t- somebody told me off for this about two years ago. She identifies as being queer because her she says her sexuality is somewhat fluid. Uh, yeah, I and, understand that. And for her sexuality can't be easily defined so she calls herself queer but don't get me wrong i think many people who are gay will say that they are queer but there now seems to be coalescing a new identity around the word 
were you? Oh, good, because when I first heard that call earlier today, when I was going through the calls, it struck me as one of those words that we could misconstrue. So there we go. But as far as Ranky, Cranky Yankee is concerned, she enjoyed the coronation and the Eurovision confusion. What about you, Royfield? What did you feel about it with Justin? Thinking he was talking about coronations and it was all your vision. I love the whole Dana international nonsense. Gave me a, a little bit of a wry smile. And I think to Cranky Yankee's point about Harrison, here he is the Bobby of the village and he's sufficiently comfortable to say, all right, Eurovision. Yeah, and also the illusion that Paul made to him being a little bit theatrical, him being Jesus and hearing yeah. about his wonderful abs and everything. Yeah. And then he's a guy who are you sure you're not gay? <laughs> I love that. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> yeah. We've been into a bit of Amdram and Eurovision. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was all a good bit of fun, a bit of light relief. And the fact that Justin, who is obviously trying desperately to ingratiate himself in all things community for obvious reasons of the moment, yeah, he was dragged in. (laughs) I'm trying to remember which member. I think this might have been Jack Woolley. I could be wrong. This is what we need. Cosmo! Or Stephen, whenever he wanted to do something, redevelop something in the village, always went on a campaign of paying for the village fate as a way of but world people. over, Royfield. The world over, it happens. <laughs> no, no uh, listen, uh, absolutely. But it's just interesting how these circular themes always seem to come back. So here it is: it's the coronation committee, yeah. and but I don't understand how you can really have the coronation committee in Ambridge and not have Linda Snell up front and centre. It is very silly that she's not been involved. Obviously, Mm. she's disappeared off the face of the Ambridge earth at the moment because, Mm. for whatever reason, maybe she's busy doing other things. But Mm. there we go. I'm not acknowledging that she's not there. Thank you very much, Cranky Wanky. Who are we going to next? We're going to Bernadette Hawkes. Ooh, that right, so, good. Here we go. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Three, two, one. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Rayfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. Hi, Bernadette Hawkes here, Archers fan 2015. What is going on in the Archers? I can't get my head around the Archers storylines at the moment. I do get the Jenny Darling demise storyline and how different family members are coping or not with her death. It's the storylines alongside it I can't understand. First up, the Eurovision 
stroke coronation confusion. My only comment is, why? <laughs> then there's Prof Jim. This is another why, but makes a bit more sense, since someone has to object to the electric car charging point. I did the line, Jim's line about Eldridge Cleaver, once a leader of the Black Panther Party. It was nicely done and balanced by the prof's aside about his character. Other than that, it feels as if the prof went completely balmy for a while, but to what end? And then there's David. He sounds as if he's set to have a massive stroke. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I can cope with another death in the arches, <laughs> and I'm no fan of David. Plus, we do have a list of characters who need to be disposed of, either through death or stacking in the silence cupboard. Yep. Finally, there's Justin. Justin is just Justin, a slimy capitalist peep. <laughs> Yet, it is possible that he might become the amber equivalent of Putin. Just <laughs> script writers have their way. I'm just throwing that in there. Anyway, that's all. That's it, really. I feel better for airing my questions, but as to whether they are of any use to anyone, who knows? Thank you for your call. What is going on in Ambridge? I have to say, we have to remember that it is a Tim Stimpson week this week. And to give kudos mm -hmm. to the script writers, I don't know whether you've heard it, Royfield, but a one stiletto in the grave, our Lillian, her son Ormond and her friend Jane, interviewed him for their first of this season last week. And I'm going on it because I have a very good friend, friends made through the archers story. There you go. Very good. Very good. Bernadette. Yeah. What is going on and why? I think Justin's a little bit more 3D than just a dirty capitalist pig. I don't mind. I think a, I little bit more, a little bit more <laughs> 3D than just that. He has an interesting relationship with, with Lillian. With the rest of us. In vis-a-vis -vis him volunteering to be in the shop, we always knew that was suspect. And I'm sure I said some weeks ago that he was part of this thing, yeah. wasn't he? That he was part of that. Yeah, is it? but I is, think people kind of worked that out. Everybody else yeah. agreed that with you. Yeah. Want... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but... He isn't Hazel Woolley. Hazel Woolley's no. a dirty capitalist pig. There, there are some soft bits to Justin. For me, he's a real dick dastardly character. You know? <laughs> that's Muttley. Mut yeah, but Mutley. yeah. Sorry, I could do Muttley. Dick dastardly's twerking his moustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dick dastardly and Muttley, that little dog that's obviously ravaged a sheep or two, is Eastley. But I think he is. That character is a kind of cartoon bad man, but in fact, deep down, he wants to be one of the gang. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. On the badometer, one being you're a saint, you're Jesus, and a hundred being you're Stalin and Hitler, Justin's maybe around about an 85, right? And you know, but Matt Crawford was more. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna row him back. I'm gonna row him back. My 85 is mean. He's like a 60, whereas Matt Crawford's like 85. So where would Come you on. put Philip? Where would you put Philip, the slave master? Oh gosh, he's in the high 90s. Ah, good. I'm glad. I've, phew, I've, you've relieved. No, you've. I don't know what I want to say. You've. I don't. I'd say it in English. Forget it. Oh, give us the French. Give us the French. Give us the French. I find it fascinating when somebody's so bilingual, but fundamentally speaking in one language as opposed to another, and they start to get key phrases. It's it shows you totally normal and natural. And many people who are bilingual frequently say, I've forgotten how to say this. I've forgotten how to say that. It's words that don't come, but maybe it's my age as well. <laughs> So let's move on from there. Anyway, all right. Okay, say no more, say no more. But I said, to say not going to say no more. You need to go on. The best and easiest way to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. Or you can go to dumpty dum.com and hit that little red tab over there on the right or the left. Don't forget, if you're typing in dumpty dum, there is a T in the middle. Also, there's a link to Speakpipe in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on 0044-7957-167-696. And we need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, 
you need to be at least 18 to take part. And folks, we always say this every week, this is your podcast, the people's podcast. Without you, it's just fundamentally me just saying hello and Jacqueline saying hello and then goodbye. It's all about the fans of The Archer. So first off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Now, I say this every few weeks, but please get the phone of a loved one and just go to their podcatcher, the podcast section, and just hit subscribe. Then walk away. Just say, honey, I need your phone for a second. <laughs> right? Hit subscribe to Dumpty Dum, then walk away. Right? That'd be awesome. Now, all what you can also do is give us a five-star review. They've been a little bit thin on the ground recently, but they are hugely appreciated, especially if it's on Apple iTunes. Thirdly, finally, the last thing is that you can consider becoming a patron. Patron is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels with different rewards. Basically, it means that we can pay for hosting, keep the lights on around here, the odd new podcasting mic when it's needed, etc, etc. We would be delighted to have your support if you become a Patreon. But also, you can go onto dumdydum.com and hit that donate button just like Mrs. C.A. Cox did. Not everybody who gives us some moolah, wonga, or some redis does it through Patreon. So you can do a one-off donation, or you can set up a regular recurring payment through PayPal. So we thank you, Miss C.A. Cox. You are a diamond. Thank you. And that's one way you can become a sponsor of the show. And so we go back to our calls. I think we should. Now, we've had Bernadette Hawks, we've had Cranky Yankee. Next off on the list is our Upper Lower East Side Dwelling Professional Sports Therapist, a.k.a. Mr. Spoon. Greetings, Roy Phil, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I have points to make on three sets of character interactions this week, so I'll get right to it. First, David and Jim. I'll be very brief here. Another example of how emotionally unintelligent David Archer can be, but I did like his use of the hay bales. Second, Brian, Debbie, and Adam. I'm sure there will be several caller-ins on this topic. Not only didn't we know about the feelings about Brian that were stewing unresolved in Debbie while she lived her best Hungarian life, we saw that through the many years of conflict between Adam and Brian, Adam has been able to, for the most part, resolve his issues with his stepfather and arrive at a better place with him. See also the scene between the two at the racetrack. I found that very male bonding episode very touching. I like how the scriptwriters are taking Jennifer's death as an opportunity to further explore the Aldridge family dysfunction and heal some of their wounds. Third, Paul and Harrison and Justin. I am loving Paul more and more. So there was a follow-up to Jakob's comments about Paul last week. We saw, in contrast to Jakob, how comfortable Harrison is with Paul and vice versa. Paul easily code-switched to use the new vernacular, first with great ease having taken Jakob and Alistair to the escape room, and then this week letting his hair down with Harrison at the Eurovision Committee planning meeting and he even converted Justin into an LGBTQ ally in 10 easy seconds. Paul's got some skills. Talk to you soon. Paul's just lovely, isn't he? He is lovely. He's absolutely... Though, though you know what? Maybe what we should do, though, because of the next caller in her, yeah. her and Witherspoon don't necessarily see eye to eye. So Why he, don't we? Yeah, I agree. Because she comes back on last week's call... Now, this is a two-parter, folks. Imagine Witherspoon of last week, Witherspoon of this week, with Ditsy of this week, with Ditsy part <laughs> also. All right. So just imagine that Jacqueline and I have said just about nada in between these calls. Here we go. Hi, you two. Ditsy of Darrington here. Just wanted to say about Witherspoon's comments about what ya Jacob said last week about how he would never have said me and Alistair using the object pronoun me rather than the subject pronoun I. What Jacob actually said was, he's going to expect me and Alistair to perform an app number. But it'd be totally incorrect to say, he's going to expect I and Alistair to perform an app number. The use of me is quite correct here. Remember, the rule is to take away the other person, i.e. he's going to expect me to. 
So I think Jacob probably did pay attention in English grammar lessons. However, what grated on me from a grammatical point of view was the fact that, as happens so often in the Archers, one of the characters puts themselves first. He should actually have said, he's going to expect Alistair and me to perform. I find this happens time and again in the Archers, particularly Ruth, who is always referring to me and the kids. In the same episode, Alice, after that expensive education, also said, I want Dad to be with me and Martha, and maybe he'll be, go- maybe he'll be up for going to the bull with me and Martha. Me was correct in both cases, but I was always taught that whether using me or I, you should put yourself last. Isn't that why the Queen always used to say, my husband and I? Just a thought. Now, can I just freely admit that this is so way above my pay grade? (laughs) I'm slow, I beg your pardon. And purely somebody who did CSC English, not even O-level, let alone A-level, let alone degree or post-grad or anything like that, CSE English. By the way, I passed, by the way. So do you get grade Um, one? Yes. Which is which also is an easy equivalent. Pass. Yeah, exactly. Only like part friend, flashing that is. Me and my friend. Exactly, exactly. Now, bear in mind that there is written English and then colloquial English. Yeah. Spoken English and all that literacy stuff. Exactly. Like we forever hear say our Theo and our Katie and our Not whatever. Real English, is it? No, 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 it's just colloquial English. My whole point is that can we be calling the scriptwriters to task about spoken English. Oh, which darling. is based but no, but it's also got to feel authentic. It has got to feel authentic, I agree. And in fact I can see where Ditsy was coming from. It was the Witherspoon that brought up the subject of grammar and she's that is respond- true. and she's responding to true. him. That uh, is would, true. I would hate to criticize our darling Witherspoon, but she is responding to his criticism uh, which is <laughs> and- and for what it's worth, her critique, I also think critique is a better word than criticism. Oh, right. Her critique of Mr. Spoon's so doesn't stop there. No. Let's oh, go for the next home. bit. <laughs> Zip the law. <laughs> right. Here we go. Here we go. Demonstrating you if you're here. This week, this week you'd be burning bridges. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've still got my gilet in the back of the car for any, not for when the car breaks je, down. Not jeune. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what that means, but whatever you said, Mitzins, whatever you said, madame. All right, here is part two. Hi, you two. It's Ditsy of Darrington again. Just one other thing about Witherspoon's comments about homophobia. I thought he was maybe being a touch oversensitive here. I think if Paul were the only gay character in The Archers, then I think he would definitely have a point. However, this isn't the case. Over the years, we've had Sean from the Catty Fiddle, Anna Tregoran, Pavel, Charlie Thomas, and Alistair's sister. Quite apart from Adam and Ian, of course, who got married some, I think it was 17 years ago now. Paul is the only one I remember who's been played right from the start as an over-the-top, larger-than-life camp character. This week, the storyline has included him saying what a big fan he is of Eurovision. He's deliberately been playing the part as very OTT. Compare him to Adam and Ian, who are very run-of-the-mill, ordinary, dare I say, boring gay characters. The way I see it, I can totally understand that Jacob might have had some concerns about what Paul had planned for his leaving to. I don't think that was gay bashing in any way. It was far more to do with the sort of character that Paul is, rather than the fact that he's gay. I would say that gay characters in the Archers are generally portrayed in a very positive way. And so, for me, it's hard to understand why this particular thing would cause offence to anyone. Oh, that's all for now. Sorry. Very I actually think I agree. Yeah. The gay characters have, are all, dare I say, normative. Yeah. They are. They're very normative. They fit into our normal, everyday life. Yeah. And I've made this point so many times on the Archers when Ian, when Ian was introduced as the gay character, this is 20 years ago now, however long, yeah. Ian's been an, yeah, it was so obvious that he was put there and his sexuality is a key part of his character, but it doesn't, 
but it's not supposed to be anything which is put first. Ian is just like a great guy. He was the cook, the oracle of the right thing to do. He's never been portrayed in any storyline as being the person who was a wrong, fault, he was malicious or anything like that. Now he and Adam are a little bit more involved. He, we've seen him as a little bit more of a 3D flesh and blood character. But you think of Ian 20 plus years ago and he was played incredibly straightly and pun not intended because they didn't want accusations of tokenism. And that, that they were pandering to some kind of stereotype of what a gay person should be. Now, I completely agree with Ditsy here. We've had numerous gay characters now, right? And then now we're having a more, let's say, flamboyant, stereotypical character who also happens to be gay. Because we've proven that not all gay people are like this. We have. And in fact, every, I don't know about you, but I have quite a few, I come across quite a few gay people that I know in my everyday life. And only <clears throat> one of them is that flamboyant Zumba dancing, Zumba class giving. He works in the local crepery, but he is, he is Paul completely. And why not? Once in a while, that's what happens. It's real life. I'm totally with Dixie here. I think this is great that we can have a character who's fun. He's yes. just fun. He is fun. But I think it. So I'm glad that we've seen that, the uncomfortableness that Jacob has felt with Paul and his flamboyancy. Because, yeah, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it. But I think Dixie made another interesting point. Was he uncomfortable with the fact that he had all these plans, potentially, and Jacob didn't know what the plans were? Or was he uncomfortable with the fact that he might get him into something which he thought was a little bit kind of gay? I actually don't like my entertainment to be so incredibly no. mapped out. I like a certain amount of serendipity yeah. and we can just bump into something. So me personally, I'd be like, well, that's not because I'm homophobic. It's just because I don't like things to be overly organized. Bear in mind that Jacob is a big spectrum, right? And he likes to be in control. Indeed, yeah. So whilst we love Witherspoon and we did agree with him last week, we all can see, I can't remember. Actually exactly, I can't remember either. All, all I'm saying is, whatever we said last week, we if it was to agree with definitely agree with Dipsy this week. Yeah, Dipsy, Dipsy, not thumbs up. Dipsy. <laughs> she knew what I meant. Big thumbs up to you, Miss. See of Darrington. Yes, Dipsy, not Dipsy. Sure we've heard from Dipsy before. No, no, me either. You've come in swinging, Dipsy of Keep Darrington. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah. You mean did she delivered the coup de gras? She did. There goes my friend again. Uh, to, uh, it's French stuff today. Boom <laughs> and uh, draw catch. That's me. Uh, <laughs> I think we have one more right. call, don't we? Uh, we do. It's Armia. Hi, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers worldwide. This is God's God Mia with a rare call in, and I just wanted to talk about Debbie, and more importantly, Tamsin Gregg who plays her. I just thought her acting this week was sublime and she just really, she just shows up everybody else. She just knocked it out of the park and I'll miss her because the character's going going back to Hungary. I was thinking about the comment made about recasting Debbie and as much as I'd like to see Debbie back in the show a bit more, I would miss Tamsin. So there you are. I will be at the Dumpty Dum Academic Archers mashup at the end of April, so I do look forward to seeing many fellow Dumpty Dummers there. Okay, this is God Squad Mia saying Amen. Bye. Ooh, we're going to meet up. That's so exciting. I like her way of signing off Amen. Perfect. Very apt. Very, very apt. There is no way they're going to ever recast in Greg. Uh, no. It's an impossibility. The, the very fact that she obviously said, I do not have the availability the week of the funeral, yeah. but I can come two weeks afterwards. And they gave that latitude then to regurgitate a whole load of stuff yeah. just because of who she is. Shows you, you no. can't. She's a great, great actress now. She came, she started with us. We gave her the kudos to carry on and have another 
bigger roles, a good acting career, and then all all good to her. I don't think they'll ever be able to replace Debbie as an actress, so she's going to be definitely... She's been fairly silent, as we've known for many years now, and she'll continue to be silent, but it was brilliant. I've loved hearing... I hated Debbie, but I've loved hearing the actress. Mm. <laughs> Debbie's um, interactions were a bit raw, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. We haven't spoken at all about the offer that Brian made to her and the fact that she turned that down. Yeah, we, no, we haven't. I feel very mixed because it, it showed us that Stella is dis- disposable. Brian's Debbie's stepdad, and Debbie did an excellent job running Home Farm back in the 90s or early 2000s, whenever. That does feel like it's her natural place, so... I did feel sorry for Stella, but I did get confused because I thought, wait on a minute, you're a massive actor, you've been in doing stuff in America, in Hollywood, here and everywhere. For a moment, I thought she was actually going to say, yeah. I was thinking, the actor doesn't have the time for this. You know, this is like beer money she's going to be getting for do- doing the Archers and then to go- have to go up to Birmingham. If the studio for the Archers was maybe in London, you could just slip it in, in between things, but... Yeah, if it was near, it was if it was a pine wood near, not far from Heathrow. Every time she pits in, she could just a short taxi ride, and then she'd be there. Now, I've had a, for a minute. I agree. It did sound as though she was actually yes. considering it, which is the art of the script writing for the archers. I think that was fingers pointing to us, the audience. No, what a fan favorite. Yeah, that actually Brian was talking on behalf of us. Yeah, he was saying, "Come on, come back." We're all like, "Yes." And, and then it's, all of a it's the skill of Tim Simpson. I you know we all talk about Kerry Davies and his skills, and I'm a, an absolute Kerry fan. But some of these other writers that we're hearing more and more of, Tim Simpson was the one behind the Helen and Rob storyline. He's been there for quite a long time. The youngest ever scriptwriter that they had on the Archers, 22, 23. So, oh, wow. Yeah, very wow. brilliant. And he's now in his 50s, so he's been there. He's been there longer than we have. Been there longer than you have, Royfield. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I just think it's showing skill, fit, slotting her in at a time when she was available to say her... This is where you and I... Don't get me wrong. It was a great set of storylines that she's involved in, the whole thing with, with Joy and Brian, etc. Great. The fact that Joy disappeared out the shop, and which then put this kind of this little seed of doubt. So what the hell's going on here type of thing? A wonderful... My question is, though, we are literally done with going into the minutiae of the grief of the Aldridges, and then it got pulled back. Yeah. And we know the reason why, because she didn't have availability when yeah. in the middle of the storyline. And for me, that felt uncomfortable, because I'm just like, oh, God, not another keep on going over Jennifer again. To this detail, to this level of... I see anyway. where you're coming. I see where you're coming from, Roy. You agree with me now? Oh, my no. gosh. Say you agree, and let's move on. Anyway, I think we're on the call, Star, haven't we? Must be time for email or inner, as I reckon. Yeah, I think we've had one message this week, and it says, Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Purple Pumpkin with a WhatsApp or inner for a change. At the risk of straying into Witherspoon territory, Witherspoon's territory, I've been worrying about Ben and his recovery. We heard that part of his breakdown was around losing the idea of himself as a good person who helps others, when instead he saw himself as causing trouble for Chelsea and his family. Now we are told that he's sacrificing his birthday breakfast to be with grumpy old Sykesy. Is this overcompensation? And is he going to burn out from giving too much time and energy to others? Or has the ambage furry waved his wand and is he fully recovered? I look forward to hearing the story develop. Thanks for all you do to the sh- for the show and looking forward to seeing everyone in Birmingham. That's interesting, isn't it? Do we think he's giving too much back, old uh, Ben? You know what? I don't know. I have to really sit down and think. But for me, what I'm worried about is hearing more of Sykesy. I care. You can't cope, do you? Can you? So little for this character that unless they're going to play off as some level of love triangle for Jill at some point. 
whatever. Maybe. I just, I'm. what is the point? But you normally, you don't normally like it when a new character comes in. You're always a bit anti. Let's see. Let's well, no, I, I'm not saying normally. I'm just saying recently I've gone off <laughs> the idea of new characters. We have so many characters who we just haven't heard of, which I think are great and just underutilised and dredging up another old duffer who's a miserable old sod i'm not up for to be honest with you but anyway i sound like a miserable well but it's interesting yeah you do sound a bit miserable old birmingham man do we call you sexy from there wow last week we had a lovely message from martin who's down under who's going to be in cambridge this summer and would like to have a meet up because he can't make birmingham he's been very jealous martin the dum-de-dum community has come to your help and I have had contact from Lucinda Sparrow, Amanda Kitely, and Michelle Wright, who are all in Cambridge area, and would be happy to meet up with you and to discuss all things Ambridge when you're in Blighty this summer. So you can email us, email me or email at Dumpty Dum, and I'll put you in touch with those people. So we're a social media, social contact group now. There's a couple of really worrying things about this, is that... (laughs) They, all three of them, emailed you and not me. So you obviously are the approachable one of the duo where of people course, think, oh, it's Auntie Jacqueline as opposed to big, bad, mean Royfield. Royfield, I'm active on the Facebook page and I put it out there and people contact me via the Facebook page. So Why there we go. Whatever. You've but got, you're were, too busy. Were, I'm just a retired old bag, so you're too busy being <laughs> professional. You're too busy, whereas I can look at social media every day if I were all day, but I'm not the dentist. <laughs> now, another thing which you can do if you want to meet up with Dumpty Dummers is go into com and click on the link for Tractor, which yeah. will then unfurl a massive map of the world and a little print bricks where Dumbly Dummers uh, inhabit doesn't point to the houses, but just gives you the general kind of location of where the said Dumbly Dummer lives. So if you sign up to Tractor and put your location there, then you can actually message other Dumbly Dummers and say, we seem to be living in the same village. Maybe we should meet and um, talk about the arches. That is a wonderful way of bolstering the meetup numbers, Lucinda, Amanda, Michelle, and Martin for the summer. And by the way, we'll expect a Dumbly Dum from you and some pictures to put on facebook would be awesome absolutely moving swiftly on from a real meetup let's go on to social media and we'll see what our social media gurus have been talking about this week on the dum de dum facebook page with our wonderful wondrous lovely katie hey up me ducks it's katie here at katie p land on twitter and instagram with an extra special shout out to all my east midlands crew It's a slightly shorter roundup this week, thanks to being struck down with the Lurgy, but here goes. The character spoken about the most this week was no surprise, Debbie. There have been lots of welcome backs and discussions about the Debbie Bryan storyline, but my favourite post of the week was from Anne Stevenson, who said, We've all been in innocent situations that have ended in awkwardness. Tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. Well worth a scroll through the replies. The other heavily discussed topic was the charging station and everything revolving around that. Kate Penfold congratulated everyone who predicted the truth behind the charging station. Charlie Bird gave us all a great image of Justin by saying someone's twiddling his moustache this evening. So true, Charlie. And Louise Lawton was disappointed that Jim didn't end up in the forklift truck being driven by David. You and me both. With regards to Susan and Clary... Karina Payton has predicted they'll give away all the Borchester Blue secrets, eek! And Ryan Bloomfield shared a photo of Susan and Clary discussing their trip to the Westbury Craft Fair. Love it. On to other news. Benjamin Kevin wondered what was going on with all the overacted huffs and hums, while other listeners thought these sounds made everything seem more realistic. Kate Lyle agreed with our Witherspoon about the casual homophobia directed at Paul and there was a good discussion about the terms of bling and drag in the comments. Well worth a read. Francis Robinson discovered that Tim Bentink is an earl. Michael Wylock shared a photo of the potatoes he planted while listening to last week's episodes. Looking good. I do love a jacket potato. And Michelle Wright announced she'd be up for a meet-up in Cambridge in the summer, and more people replied in the comments. If anyone else would be up for it, check that out in the conversation. 
Lots of suspected voices have been heard out in the wild this week. Kay Goff thinks she heard Lee doing the safety announcement on the Stenner Line ferry, while Lorna Powell thinks it might be Ardil. Others have heard David on the Mind the Gap on the Tube, Usha on Great Western and Adam on EasyJet. They do get around. While Mike and Beth Jennings have been visiting all the sites, they drove through Lower Loxley, hope they moved all the paintings out of the way, before going to the Old Bull in Inkbarrow for some great pub grub, and then on to Hanbury Church, the inspiration for St Stephen's. I feel like I need a road trip of all these places in the summer. In case you haven't noticed, our Jacqueline's been sharing posts about each individual aspect of our big weekend mashup next month, so you can see what will be discussed on the day. My next social media roundup will actually be in Birmingham with all you lovely lot, so looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible. As usual, welcome to the newbies, make yourselves known, settle in with a cuppa, and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, ta Thank you for that, Katie. Thank you, everybody who's been contributing to our group this week. You've been most awesome as always. Now, we've done that, so now it must be time for us to mention the four new members to that group. Absolutely, yes, a very warm, dumpty-dum welcome to... Catherine Bailey Linda Wallace Georgina Selway Rita Ferrier Now this is the time where the last couple of weeks we've had an embarrassment, not of riches, just an embarrassment, folks. Jacqueline, do we have any reviews? Yes, we do. We have one. (sighs) And very sweet five-star review. Impossible. Niba who is in the United States of America. It sends a five-star review entitled Across the Time Zones. Dumpty Dummers have become friends and family across the globe. Doesn't that just say it all? That's lovely. It does. Thank you very much, Niban. We need a lot more reviews, short like that, so the podcast doesn't go on. Five stars always, and just tell us what you think of us. Now, we are on Twitter, and you can find us at Dumpty Dum, where you can join in the tweet along fun by using the hashtag The Archers with a capital T and a capital A, which helps the visually impaired to join in the fun. And I can be found on Twitter as at JBFLUS. Anyone? I think we've got Tweet of the Week next, mate. Oh, we do. Burble Bumpkin. Hello, Roy Fields, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of tweets of the week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Quentin and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week, hashtag the archers on Twitter had a lot of discussions of village geography and where exactly the charging station is going to be. The unofficial archivist Brenda Selwyn at Brenda M. Selwyn helped point us all towards Hollowtree on the eastern side of the village. Um, That exchange was a lot more enjoyable than the vitriol that came from the anti-trans brigade who piled on when Paul used the term assigned male at birth to describe a trans woman who previously won Eurovision. Unfortunately, that made sorting through the hashtag a bit of a cesspit this week. Please do remember to play nicely, folks. But now here are the results of the poll for the best lines of the week, um, with a credit to this week's writer Titten Stimpson. The choices were Debbie saying to Adam, the edible forest garden is a distillation of everything you've ever cared about. David to Jim, see how your picture looks now from behind a stack of bales. Or Brian to Debbie, I can't believe it would even cross your mind. And the winner is Debbie in the Edible Forest, although David's bales were running it a close second. And finally, here are my medals for Tweet of the Week. In bronze position, it's Well Adrian Says, at Well Adrian Says. I think it's going to turn out that Paddy wasn't his daddy, genetically Adam is 50% fence post. In silver, it's Kevin West, at the Kever. It's hard seeing Gran looking so frail. It's even hard hearing her. And the gold medal goes to old favourite David from Barnet, at David from Barnet. Careful, Ruth, careful. 
David sounds like he might be going full badger here. Well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next week. Thank you, Theo. And congratulations to everybody who contributed this week and also got a gong, whether it was gold, silver or bronze. Now, folks, don't forget, we are also on Instagram. We will find Katie to the social media roundup. So please do follow us there. And you can find me on Instagram too, and I'm Jacqueline Berto. Just like that. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge Fair Voices, and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. There you go, folks. I literally have four weeks left to get your tickets for the Dum De Dum Academic Archers mashup weekend in Birmingham. It's going to be a riot. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.